You know, our, our desire is not to have just a Thanksgiving day, a Thanksgiving week, or a Thanksgiving service, but a Thanksgiving lifestyle. And that, we, that we're people that are thankful for what God has given us. You know, if somebody were to come along today and give you a million dollars, just say, here's the million dollars, taxes, none been taken care of it, you don't have to worry about anything, you would thank that person every time you saw them. I guarantee you would. Every time their name was mentioned, you'd be talking about what they'd done for you. And every time you had an opportunity, you would just let them know how thankful you are for what they did. Well, see, if we can be thankful to an individual or earthly person to that extent, we've got to learn to be thankful to God for what God has done for us. So that's the reason that we are doing this series, Giving Thanks Always. Uh, and we read that scripture in Ephesians 20. It said, Giving thanks always for all things unto the Lord. And we read some other scripture. But this morning I want to go to Psalms 100. Psalms 100. And we're, there are just five verses to this Psalms. And it's a, a very celebrated psalm. And what I mean by that, it's read and quoted songs are written about it. And from this psalms a whole lot. But I want you to listen to what he says to us today. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all your lands. You hear what that says? Make a joyful shout. You ever made a joyful shout? Huh? Yeah. Make a joyful shout. Praise God. Hallelujah. Serve the Lord with gladness. Now, see, here's something about thanksgiving. A part of thanksgiving is serving. Serving God. Come before His presence with singing. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who has made us and not we ourselves. For we are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. Be thankful to Him and bless His name. For the Lord is good. Everybody say that. For the Lord is good. Let's do it again. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. And His truth endures to all generations. Now what we want to talk about this morning as we are thinking about giving praise always for all things is the power of praise and worship. Now I don't know if you realize it or not, but See, this is not something we do just so we can get church started. But I believe that the intent of praise and worship in a church service is to get our hearts prepared to enter into His presence and to bring the presence of God into us so that we can overcome the things that are hindering us and, and coming against us. Because when we begin to give praise and worship and thanksgiving to God, these are weapons that can unlock doors, close doors, break chains, bring healing and deliverance, and cause the enemy to back up and take his hands off of you, your loved ones, and our community. Praise and worship can accomplish that. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, I want you to notice what he says here. He says, for though we walk in the flesh, in other words, we're people, and so though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Now, folks, the things that we, are, that we have to deal with, the mental things, the spiritual things, the physical things, all of these things, we cannot fight those things with a knife. I mean, if I could, I'd take this 
knife out of my pocket, and I could just absolutely whittle away every bit of it if that would work. And if that wouldn't work with this knife, I got a bigger knife. And if that wouldn't work with that bigger knife, I got a machete. But the thing about it is, it won't work. It won't work with my 12-gauge shotgun with a plug out and five slugs in it. I mean, you know, it's not going to work. My 270 with four shells, it's not going to work. I could build a bomb, and that's not going to get me the help that I need. So we, we may be in a physical body, but if we could come to realize that what we're fighting against is not necessarily physical, even though it appears that way so many times. But listen to what he said. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. In other words, they're not fleshly. They're not of this world. They're not something that we dream up, think up, nothing that's drawn out on a sketch pad. They're not carnal, but they're mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds. Let me take, let me just give you a comparison here. Carnal don't only mean fleshly and natural, but it means weak. Weak. The weapons that we have are powerful through God, even to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience to Christ. Now think about that. This word weapons, it's an instrument or a tool that's used in combat and it's often thought of as an offensive weapon. It's something that we do that is used to put the enemy on the run. It's not... Here where he's talking about weapons is not talking about something that someone would use so much to defend themselves with. But it's been said in sports a lot of times that the best defense is a good offense. Because if you can keep your offense on the field, your defense can come along. And then on the other hand, uh, uh, the best offense is a good defense. So what I'm saying is this, is that when we begin to use the weapons that he's given us, then not only are we protecting ourselves, but we're putting the enemy to flight. And that's what he's talking about here. He said the weapons of our warfare. Now, the word warfare comes from the same Greek word that we get the word strategy from. So we have a strategy. We have, we have something already laid out that we can do. You see, they go into war, and the, both sides has a strategy that they're using. And Satan has a strategy. In the Bible, it's talking about his devices that he has. Another place, it talks about the wiles of the devil, the schemes or the strategies that Satan is using against us. But, but what he don't stop to realize is that we have a strategy too. Now, what are our weapons? Well, first of all, the name of Jesus. Then there's the Word of God. There's the Spirit of God. And there's praise, worship, and thanksgiving that we can begin to use to fight against the enemy and put him on the run. Now, Satan don't mind you singing Christian songs, but what he don't like is when you begin to get into an attitude of praise and worship, a heartfelt time that you're rendering to God the fruit of your lips in praise, worship, and thanksgiving. He don't like for you to do that. That's the reason when we come into church or any other time, he distracts us so much. He'll, You know, we'll be trying to... To, to get into praise and worship, and the next thing you know, the thought will come. Well, boy, look how she's dressed today. Huh? Now, there's so-and-so. 
Well, I wonder where, the, where this person's at. I wonder where that... Or we're, we're here and we're, and we're praising God, and the next thing you know, Satan's putting on our mind what we're going to eat for dinner. Now, I see y'all are following me in this because... Yeah. Hey, I'm going to tell you, Paul, I'll be honest with you. I have a lot of difficulty standing here and, and looking out and seeing folks that's not at church and... And especially when they told me there's going to be at church and they're not at church and I'm having to, to get myself beyond that. Now that's nobody's fault but mine, okay? You know a distraction is not a distraction unless you let it distract you. That is profound, isn't it? Y'all didn't know I was that smart. A distraction is not a distraction Unless you let it distract you. That's like we came in this morning and Gary, bless his heart, he had two boxes of donuts here. And they were open. Just open, laying there. All kind of donuts in that thing. And we're going through our rehearsal for praise and worship. And I said to Jamie, I said, look at that temptation. She said, oh, don't do it. I said, I'm not going to. I said, it's a temptation, but I'm not giving in to it. So, if we give in to the distraction, then Satan can steal that weapon of praise and worship from us. So, we, when we begin to do this, we want to set our hearts upon Him and, and, and just be so thankful for what He's done and be determined that whatever the noise is that Satan's putting in our head, that we get above that and beyond that, because when we'll begin to praise and worship Him from our heart, it'll make our heads shut up and come along with it. Amen. Philippians 4. Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7 says, Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. You get that? Prayer. We hit up on that pretty good. Supplication. That's whenever we want to cry and pout. No, it's not altogether crying and pouting, but sometimes that's what it turns into. Supplication with thanksgiving. So many times you can, you can, you can, Switch, praise, worship, and thanksgiving. Even though they're three distinct, separate things, they're used together a whole lot. So we can say it this way, that prayer and supplication together with praise. Because you can't praise God without thanking Him. You can't thank God without praising Him. And whenever you begin to thank Him and praise Him, then the next thing you know, you're going to begin to worship God. Worship is a, is a, is a deeper form of praise. We can look at it this way. Praise is from the natural being. The, the, you know, it's something that we do, but worship comes from the heart. You remember Jesus said in John 4 that, that, that they that worship God must worship Him in spirit and in truth, and praise and thanksgiving leads up to that. But we can say this, that everything by prayer and supplication with worship, with thanksgiving, with praise, let your request be made known unto God. You see, this is one of the keys. This is one of the weapons that we use. And when we'll begin to do that, folks, the peace of God, 
that passes all understanding will garrison around our hearts and minds and set up a, a standard, or set up a defense to where that, that we just know that we know that we know and we've received that peace of God into our life and we know that we know that we know that what we've asked God for, God is going to do it because His Word is so true. And Satan can't get through that defense. Amen? Hallelujah. In the Old Testament, Judah, who was one of the tribes, one of the twelve sons of Jacob, Judah, when he was born, was the last child that Leah had. Jacob's first wife that was given to him in a moment of deception. You know, Jacob was a deceiver. He reaped what he sowed. <laughs> he was a deceiver. He deceived his father Isaac. He deceived his brother Esau to begin with and said, I'll give you some peas. Boy, these peas are real good. I'll trade them to you for your birthright. And they traded. And folks, I don't know whether well, you may realize this or not. There ain't never been a bowl of peas as good as the birthright and the quality of your name that you carry in life. But Esau traded it. Then he deceived his father Isaac into believing that he was Esau so he would get the blessing. And he went off down, and then he worked for Laban for seven years, thinking that he was going to get Rachel for a wife, and ended up that wedding night, he gave him Leah. So he got deceived. You reap what you sow. But anyway, Leah, she had four or five children, and her last one was named Judah, the last son that she had. And she said, now then, I will praise the Lord because He's given me another son. Praise the Lord. So she named him Judah. And Judah means praise for the Lord or praised. P-R-A-I-S-E-D. Means something that you're involved in, something that you're doing. And, and so in Genesis 29, 35, I told you what it was without reading it. And she conceived again and bare a son and said, Now I will praise the Lord. Therefore she called his name Judah. Then she stopped bearing. That don't mean that you're going to become barren if you uh, praise the Lord. It means you'll become barren if you quit. The children, I'm going to tell you something now. God has always highly regarded praise and worship. If we could go back to the beginning, and, and you know, I'm, I'm sensing in my spirit, I'm giving you a forecast, okay? That, that I believe that beginning the first of the year, that we're going to endeavor next year to preach through the Bible. From Genesis to Revelation, you say, well, you only got 52 weeks and there's 66 books. You're going to have to pray a whole lot for me, okay? Pray that I don't try to preach Genesis and Exodus all the same Sunday. But this is something I feel like the Lord's been putting in my heart. But if you go back and you find out the purpose that God made Adam and Eve to begin with was to fellowship with Him, to worship, and to praise Him. Because you see, before Adam and Eve, Satan, or Lucifer, was the leader of that praise and worship, and God kicked him out and and then when he made man, I can just see Satan come along saying, what's he going to do? And I can picture God looking at the devil and saying, he's taking your place in heaven. He's going to lead my praise and worship here on this earth. God made man, made you and me to worship God. And so Judah was, was named praise. 
And something that I found out this week in study, that when the children of Israel was on their journey to the promised land, he put Judah out first. Judah led all the children of Israel in their journey to the promised land. You say, what does that mean? I said, I'm telling you this. It means that we need to begin to look at praise and worship first before we start doing a whole lot of other stuff. You say, what are you talking about? Well, maybe for that financial need, if we'll just begin to praise God and worship Him, that He'll come through for us, and we won't end up having to go to that high-interest high finance company that up there wants to hold a title to the automobile. You know that one. That one, that, you know, that one that'll send you this thing said, you know, give you a credit card. We want to give you a credit card with a $200 limit, and the interest is only 32%. <laughs> There's people that, that falls for that. They give in to that kind of thing. Why? Because they get in a jam. They get in a bind. But folks, when we, when we begin to realize in our life that things are not going good, instead of throwing up our hands in despair, we need to learn to praise and worship Almighty God. And if we can't do it any other way, turn off the country music, turn off the rock music, and put on some Christian music and begin to worship with it. The children of Israel got into the promised land, and Joshua had died. And so they come before God and said, you know, we gotta, we got to drive these Canaanites out. we got to get rid of all of this that's hindered us, all of these people, because God has given us this land. What do we need to do? So they prayed in, Gen- in Judges chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, Now, after the death of Joshua, it came to pass that the children of Israel asked the Lord, saying, Who shall be first to go up for us against the Canaanites to fight against them? And the Lord said, Listen, Judah, or praise, shall go up. Indeed, I have delivered the land into his hand. Now, hear the one named praise. God said, I want him to go first. I want praise to go first. I know we used to sing a chorus many years ago in North Carolina, send Judah first and the battle will be won. Send Judah first. Send praise first. Put praise out ahead of the other efforts that we're going through and that we're trying to do. So he said, listen, he said, send Judah. Send praise. Why? Because I've already given the land. I've given the enemy. I'm given that which is against you into his hand. Now, that, that's the reason that we say that, folks, when we come into situations and circumstances, praising the Lord will begin to cause that thing to, to fall in line, will begin to cause that thing to go to be done away with. we got to learn how to praise God in circumstances instead of getting down and out, instead of getting miserable, instead of getting mad. We need to learn how to praise God because Judah went into that land and, and defeated, you can read it on down in that chapter 1, defeated all of those cities that he came up against, all of those kings, defeated all of them. Why? Because God said, sin, praise first, and the battle will be won. Sin, praise first, and you'll overcome this thing. Sin, praise first, and you'll settle into the promise that I've given you. See, God's given us a lot of promises. The Bible says that He's given us great, exceeding great, and precious promises. Second Peter chapter one, exceeding great 
and precious promises. And you say, well, I've never received any promise. Well, why don't we begin to praise God and thank Him and worship Him for the promises? But not just say, Lord, thank you for all your promises. But here's one promise. He said, I'm the Lord that heals thee. So begin to thank Him and praise Him for healing. Begin to praise Him for that. Here's another one. He said, said I, I'll bless you. He said, I'll bless you. And so begin to thank God and praise Him for His blessings and that promise that He's given us. And then when we do that, we'll begin to settle into that and we'll receive the promise that will come into our life. Why? Because we're spending that time in praise and worship unto Almighty God. People say, well, I thought we was under their grace and we just get everything free and automatically. <clears throat> Moving right along. Second Chronicles. In Second Chronicles chapter 20, the, the children of Ammon, the people of Moab and Mount Seir, had come up against Judah, or the Israelites. And Jehoshaphat was the king, and so Jehoshaphat called a fast, and they, they began to pray, and God sent a word, and God told them, said, you, you know, they're going to be coming this way, you go this way. But he told them, said, you don't even have to fight in the battle. He said, because I'm going to fight your battle for you. So they went out, and, and in this chapter you find where that Jehoshaphat said to the people, said, Believe in the Lord, and you shall be established. Believe in His prophets, and you shall prosper. So he said, Believe in the Lord. And, and so they prayed, they honored God, and then when he consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord and who should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and were saying, Praise the Lord for His mercy endures forever. Now when they began to sing and to praise the Lord, the Lord set ambushments against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. Now I want you to notice in this Scripture. Three times the word praise is used in this passage. And each time it comes from a different Hebrew word. You say, well, what's the meaning of that? Well, you follow me here for just a minute. See, he said that they should praise the beauty of holiness. That's the Hebrew word hala, H-A-L-A-H. And it's short for the word hallelujah. And it simply means to celebrate. They were going to celebrate the beauty of holiness. What is the beauty of holiness, Pastor? Well, the beauty of holiness is talking about all that God is. All that God has ever done. All that God will ever do. It's talking about God's grace and God's love. And God's mercy. Because, see, holiness means set apart. And as far as God's concerned, and as far as we're concerned, there's none other but Almighty God. There's only one. And and God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And when we talk about the beauty of holiness, we're talking about everything that God has ever done, everything that He's ever provided, all that God is. All He's the Creator of the whole universe, but He's my Creator. He's so big, He holds the, the world in His hand, but yet He lives in my heart. Think about that, folks. All that He is is what the term beauty of holiness is talking about. You remember two Sundays ago I shared with you that we sang the song, Lord, I stand in here in Your presence and just thinking of the great things You've done, and I worship You for who You are. 
That's worshiping God in the beauty of holiness. That's just taking Him and not taking Him for granted. And just, Lord, we love You because that You're our God and there's none like You. And Jehoshaphat had already established that. He had already said earlier, he said, Lord, you're not only God, but you're our God. So now then they're praising him for he's God above all other. And then the next thing that we see, it said that when they praised the Lord, that comes from a Hebrew word, yada, Y-A-D-A-H. And in this it means to extend the hands, to reach out, to, to, to show uh reverence for, to, to reach up, to take a hold of God. So he said, now I want you to go out and praise God in the beauty of holiness with your hands raised up. And that you worship Him. You say, well, I can't do that. Well, get back in your back bedroom and do it. Okay? Do it when ain't nobody else around. Just, just begin to lift your hands up and give Him that, that praise and that worship and that honor to revere Him. And then it says that when they begin to sing praises, the Lord set ambushments against Moab and, and Ammon and Mount Seir. In other words, where did they get these ambushments from? Well, I believe that when they begin to praise God in this way, that the angels of God came and fought that battle for them. And then it was they begin to turn on each other. But the ambushments that he said in some translations even say that God set angels to fight those battles for them. Now, folks, I'm telling you, God's got an army. Not just people on this earth, but God's got an army in heaven that far exceeds and outnumbers all that the enemy can have and bring against us. So when we look to Him and believe Him and worship Him and praise Him, we can see that come to pass. Uh, this word here is, is uh, for the word praise. And I didn't write it down. Hallelujah. But it means uh, laudation, a hymn, a hymn of worship and a hymn of praise. See, we talk about the old hymns of the church. And those old hymns of the church talked a lot of times about situations and what God did to, to bring that to pass and, and to help the people in that time. So they wrote songs about it. And we call those hymns. that You take Amazing Grace, probably one of the most beloved hymns that's ever been. And that's what it is because it talks about what God has done, that God did something nobody else could do. And I know we've all got those things in our life. I mean, in more, more than just salvation. We've all got things that it had to be God. Nobody else but God could have done this. Let me share this with you real quick while we're talking about the meaning of names. Without giving individual meanings, but the term Ammon, Moab, and Seir all refer to immorality, greed, lust, carnality, the fallen nature of man. And this is what we have to deal with all the time. And I'm not talking about that I have to deal with the fallen nature of man in J.J. I'll pick on him since he's late coming in. He's been preaching at the nursing home. I'm not talking about that I have to, the fallen nature of man's not me dealing with J.J., but I'm talking about the fallen nature of man, all of these things. Every temptation that would come to you in any form is wrapped up in those things I just talked about right there. And so when we begin to praise Him, folks, we can overcome any lustful thoughts that comes into our heart. We can overcome any greedy thoughts that comes into our hearts. We can overcome any gossiping thought that comes in our heart. Because all of these things are part of the, the fallen, carnal nature of man. But here He said, 
He told them to go out and to praise God in the beauty of holiness with your hands lifted up and singing of God's grace and goodness. And as you do that, you're able to overcome all of these things in life that comes against you. All of those habits, those, those things that just constantly is there that, that you always have to deal with. You know, it's just like it, whenever a person is so easy to give in to gossip. You know, usually when you say that, people look at women. I remember a sign I saw in a, in a barbershop many, many years ago. And, and I've noticed this. It said, women are the world's, most gossip, uh, mo- the world's worst gossipers. Women are the world's worst gossipers. And it said the reason is, is because men have perfected the art. <laughs> Drink water. Here, excuse me. All of these things, we were getting too serious there for a minute. Had to Praise and worship will overcome all of these things. Praise pulls down the glory of God into your situation. Psalms 22 and 3 says, But you are holy, talking to God, you are holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel. Enthroned, that means that that's God. He inhabits the praises. And when we begin to give Him praise and worship, folks, I'm telling you the glory of God can come into our situation and change our situation and fix our situation. Take the broken pieces and put them back together again. He can calm and soothe and heal. And God is desiring to do that. See, when, when we do this, He comes and He brings His glory with Him. The glory of God. The presence of God. And you know... Uh, I'd love to see that in our church congregation. But I'm going to tell you something else. I love to see it back in my room at home whenever I begin to praise Him and worship Him and experience the presence of God and the glory of God taking place right there in that room. Folks, I'm telling you, when we begin to worship God, God shows up on the scene, like with Paul and Silas. In Acts chapter 16, verse 25 and 26, Paul and Silas, they were in jail. You know the story. In stocks and bonds had been beaten. And uh, they were not able to get out of this and, and hurt. But in all of that, at midnight, see, Paul found out in a midnight prison cell that the glory of God would show up. They were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners was listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prisons were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's chains were loosed. They found out in that kind of a situation, that regardless how bad it may seem, how hopeless it may seem, praise and worship will bring God on the scene. Then i got one other thing that I want to talk about here for a minute. Isaiah 61, 1 through 3, he talks about, the garment of praise. Y'all familiar with the garment of praise? Hey, we sang that song, put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Listen, the garment of praise. That Isaiah 61 says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captive, and the opening of prison to those who are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the day of vengeance of God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, and to give them beauty for ashes, the joy, all of joy for mourning. In other words, He gives them beauty for ashes. He gives them the all of joy for mourning. And He gives them a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. The garment of praise. This, this term, that, that pra, a garment here, and it's talking about a mantle. 
uh, that they would wear, or, or a mantle, a robe, like the priests would wear, or like the kings would wear. And this, this, it would cover their whole being. So he's saying, I'm coming to give you something that can cover your whole being. And in, in the heavy times, in the hard times, in the problem times, and I'm giving you that because I'm giving you a reason and a purpose to praise my holy name. He said, I'm, give, I'm bringing that to you. What did he say back earlier? He proclaimed the acceptable year of the Lord to preach the gospel to the poor, recovering a sight to the blind, heal the brokenhearted. Folks, he said, I'm giving you a reason to worship and praise Almighty God. This talks about this robe of, like a priest would wear, a king would wear. It's talking about royalty. Hey, pick yourself up, child of God. As a child of God, you belong to royalty. You are in royalty. There's dignity and air about you. You say, well, now, some of the stuff you've been talking about is not real dignified, raising your hands and all of this. Oh, no. In this situation, it's undignified not to worship the king. It's undignified to sit silent when the king is present. It's undignified to close your eyes and turn your head when the king's at work. That's when we need to be praising him and honoring him and worshiping him and giving him thanksgiving. First Peter two nine. And I got it right this time. But you 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 all of you's are a chosen generation. Listen to this a royal priesthood. In other words, he's already put the mantle upon us. He's already given us that garment of praise. Now, we could also call it the, 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 the robe of righteousness. He's already put it on us to cover up and to dispel the spirit of heaviness, the spirit of problems, the spirit of fear, the spirit of doubt, the spirit of bad attitudes, the, whatever it may be that's coming against you to take your praise away from you, the garment of praise will get rid of those spirits and those things out of your life. Folks, I'm going to tell you, this time of Thanksgiving should be a time for us to get into a habit of constantly praising God. Not waiting until things are good, but right in the middle of a bad situation, begin to thank God. You say, how can you do that? Well, by putting on the garment of praise, realizing that we've got a robe of righteousness, that we're royalty, and there's nothing that Satan can do to change that. Understand that God has already blessed you. He's already spoken that word over you, that you're His child, that you're His, and that He is with you always. He's already spoken that blessing over you. And just like Balaam told King Balak, God's blessed them, and I can't curse them. Let me tell you, the next time Satan comes against you in whatever manner, even if it's going on right now, you need to rise up, Put on that garment of praise and tell him, Satan, I'm telling you in the name of my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, whose I am and who I serve, that you can't curse me because he's already blessed me and I'm just going to praise and bless and honor his holy name. I'm going to lift up my hands to the Lord and magnify God in the beauty of holiness. Amen? Give the Lord a hand clap. Yes. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah.
praise you, Lord. Let's 